Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the Olive Magazine podcast, your weekly digest of food, drink and travel from the hungry team at, you guessed it, Olive Magazine. My name is Laura Rowe, I'm the editor of the magazine and your host. This time to mark Yorkshire Day, which we celebrated earlier in the week with the most perfect Yorkshire puddings in the test kitchen, our web editor Alex was up in her home county Yorkshire for a dedicated podcast special to the Leeds independent food scene. This episode, she explores its diverse street food vendors and British charcuterie with restaurant friends of ham, plus tries pairing speciality coffee with Yorkshire sweet treats at new coffee shop North Star at Leeds Dock. Alex headed over to Ham and Friends to chat to owner Anthony Kitching about British charcuterie. Hello, so I'm here at Ham and Friends in Leeds, which is part of Friends of Ham Group, uh, chatting to owner Anthony Kitching about a surprise prize, all things ham. So, um, Kitch, as um, your friends call you, um, it's quite a mouthful, Ham and Friends, Friends of Ham. Uh, (laughs) As the name suggests, you guys specialise in the humble pig with a menu featuring pig cheeks, secreto, charcuterie and more. So, why did you decide to focus on pigs in particular? Um, well, initially, we, um, we when we started Friends of Ham, it was more about the charcuterie. Um, okay. And, and nat- naturally, the majority of charcuterie is is the pig, mm-hmm. is the pig base. So that's kind of the main reason, really. Okay. Um, and why did you focus on charcuterie? Um, well, we were actually um, setting up a, a craft beer bar. Um, was our kind of original focus. Right. Um, but we wanted it to be more along the lines of things you find in, in, in Europe, uh, your kind of more your cafe culture, cafe bar style. Um, and we wanted a, a solid food offering to go with it. Um, but we wanted something that was as flavoursome um, and really backed up and really went with the beer. Um, so we did a bit of research and we came up with um, charcuterie. Um, Whereas in the past, a lot of people had, had, had got charcuterie, but it wasn't necessarily um, of that higher quality. Um, it was just a bit of an afterthought in, in um, bars. We wanted to do something that was really, you know, on top of its game. Okay, great. So it's really evolved into something that you didn't probably didn't set out to do at the beginning. Oh, and totally, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's fabulous, though. So I came in um, to Ham and Friends on Friday night, and we had um, one of my favourite cuts of meat, which is the Secreto, um, which was absolutely brilliant um so this comes from the iberico pig can you can you explain to our listeners a bit more about what exactly the secreto is because i know not not a lot of people know about it so secreto is um it's a a fresh cut of um of pig of pork um and uh, there's there's kind of three um different cuts that kind of sit in almost the same family there's secreto pluma and presser um and they are um very specific cuts from the back of uh, the back and sort of towards the shoulders of the pig. Um, the cigaretto itself is um, kind of like a flat, fan-shaped piece of muscle, um, which has a good layer of fat on it. Um, 
and it's just really nice. It's just really flavoursome. Um, you cook it up. You cook it up medium rare, which um, a lot of people don't appreciate. You can cook up pork medium rare, um, but because of the quality of the pig it's coming from, mm-hmm. um, which is an I- I- Iberico pig, um, an Iberico Biota pig, which is basically the highest welfare standards pretty much any any animal has. Um, it's yeah, it's just an incredible bit of meat. But these pigs are, um, are generally raised for their legs. Um, to mm-hmm. use in um, in hams, um, and there's a there's a lot of pig left over, a lot of good meat left yeah. over. Yeah, and it's called the secreta, isn't it? Because it's um, comes from the butcher's secret because they used to keep it as a secret from um, from anyone else. Well, yeah, themselves. I mean, I've I've heard that. I've no idea if it's true <laughs> true or not. But uh, secreto, I think, does mean secret in Spanish, um, and I think it's um, probably one of those like. I don't know whether the butchers were keeping it for themselves or whether it's just like not a lot of people knew about it um, and knew so how good it was. So it's kind of a bit of a fat. hidden gem almost. Yeah. Um, so it, you said it comes from the Iberico pig. Um, can you remind um, our listeners, you know, the conditions that these types of pigs are reared in? Because it's got quite specific uh, DOP status, hasn't it? It does. So um, the Iberian pig is a specific breed of pig. Mm-hmm. But then um, it's... Um, then split into different classifications based on um, how pure bred it is and how it's reared. Um, so there's various different classifications um, and they go uh, through from quite a, a pig with quite a low uh, percentage of, of Iberian pig in it uh, and that is just reared in a, a regular way through to 100% purebred, which is reared in a very specific way, um, which gives it the, um, the name Biota. Uh, and the way it's reared, basically, it's there's very strict regulations around the amount of space each pig has to have to be able to roam freely. Um, there has to be certain um, amounts of a certain type of tree. In the, um, it's called the dehesa, which is the area they, they roam around in. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that an acorn tree? Yeah, yeah, so it's a specific type of acorn because basically when it comes to... Um, the end towards the end of the pig's life, they they fatten them up effectively, mm-hmm. and they fatten them up on these acorns. So that, but um, because they're free range, they have to. Um, they don't just give them lots of acorns. Acorns they have to come from from their um, environment. Okay. Um, and basically, it's the pig's favourite food. So if there's lots of acorns, they'll eat lots of acorns. Okay, fab. Um, and that's how you get that really, really silky, melt in the mouth, nutty fat. Yeah, isn't it's it? to do the um, it's to do the amino acids in the in the acorns. Um, and what that then puts through into the meat. And then the, the silkiness comes from um, the length of time it's aged for. Okay. So how long is it aged for then? So uh, a purebred biota could be aged up to uh, around four years. Okay. Um, so obviously it's, it goes through um, butchery and then he's cured and then he's literally just left to hang um, for four years. It goes through different... Um, it's not... It's not just left for four years. They they start in one place. They'll then move it to a slightly different place. There's lots of um, science or um, history anyway about um, having the certain conditions at certain stages. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a long process. It's a real labour of love, isn't it? Process, I think yeah. for for um, producers in Spain. But um, so Spanish and continental charcuterie has been in the limelight for a long time. But um, what we've noticed um, is a trend of British charcuterie coming coming about. Well, for the over the past few years, can you give us an insight as to why that might be? Why British charcuterie is coming into the limelight? I think that because um, there's not there's not really much of a history in uh, Britain for making charcuterie. We have different different ways of uh, preserving um, things, meat. Um, 
and because we haven't really had the climate for it. Um, um, but now it's becoming um, more and more prevalent. I think a lot of it's to do with uh, the interest in provenance of food uh, and where food comes from. Um, and there's a lot of um, kind of people maybe who are new to the industry who are really interested in, in how food is made, uh, um, who are kind of looking at businesses to start, I suppose. And, and I suppose British charcuterie now is more of an option in that we've got... Um, we can artificially create the environment that's needed to okay. um, to produce the charcuterie. So we have cold stores and humidity control rooms and that kind of thing. Whereas, you know, 100 years ago when we didn't have that, it would have just gone off because we don't have the right climate. Yeah. Um, and, and, that, and now it's a lot more expensive to import um, continental charcuterie because of um, Brexit, dare I say it. But um, it's just nice to know that we can still rely on our British um, British producers. Oh, and yeah. it's even better. I think a lot of people want to support uh, local farmers and producers. So um, it's great that we've got that option now. Um, so are the British charcuterie producers creating their versions of products from the continent like Palmer Ham? So you, you have a lot of the charcuterie being produced is basically a direct copy of things being produced on the continent using the same ingredients um you know it's 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 making their version of say a finocchione um or yeah parma ham so finocchione um, is the with fennel is yeah, it? salami yeah. with fennel but then there's also um some producers who are um kind of looking beyond that and going right okay the italians and spanish make these great products but you know we we want to make something that you know um say something about where we're from yeah about our terroir. um so you have producers uh, working with cider, um, seaweed, um, you know, things that can be found locally um, versus, you know, say in Italy, they might use red wine. You mm-hmm. know, we're, we're using, you know, we don't really make wine over here. So to um, to put red wine into our salami, we'd have to import the wine. Yes, which um, is, defeats which the whole defeats object. The yeah. Um, so, and then there's certain... Um, Producers like we we have a product called um, Baff Chaps, which is very popular, which is um, like a cured pig's cheek. Right. Um, that's that's um, quite a traditional British product. Um, it's like bacon. Um, so it's that's that I would call it, say that's very much a British charcuterie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got no uh, no background in Spain or Italy at all. It's it's a, it's a British product. So okay. I think you'll see more and more things like that. And what, what's your favourite, like, flavoured one? For example, you talked about the cider and the seaweed. Have you got a specific favourite that you like? It's, um, it varies, actually, week to week. Um, because um, charcuterie is interesting. In, because it's a natural product, um, it, it, it varies. You know, if, if it's not made in large-scale um, industrial surroundings, it varies from you know, batch to batch, which I think is one of the, the great things about it. It's like cheese. Um, so I, the cider and seaweed salami is uh, is really interesting. I think it's a really good one. Where's um, that from? That's from um, a company called um, Cornish Charcuterie. Okay, so so it's made from yeah, because you'd think of cider and uh, yeah. seaweed when you think the of Cornwall. Yeah, yeah, totally. Not to be stereotypical at all. Um, so if the if we want to you know go out and buy some British charcuterie, which producers um, should we be hunting down? Cornish Hackett are doing lots of good things. Treely Farm have, have been going for a, a, quite a while now and are quite quite a good size, but Where still are they based? do things in the right way. Monmouthshire, so okay. in South Wales. Uh, they do our bath chaps and they are probably they've they've probably been at the forefront. Um, so they're now one of the one of the larger ones, um, but still do things right. Um, there's 
Um, there's quite a few in London. There's one called Black Hand that we produced like a house uh, salami with last year. Um, that's just uh, one guy just buys a pig, makes some charcuterie. Nice. Um, yeah, there's, there's there's loads. There's a lot down in the south. Um, there's one called Moon's Green, which produces um, something called beer sticks, which are basically like posh pepper armies. Fab. Uh, that we sell in Friends of Ham are really good. Any up in Yorkshire? Yeah, yeah. So Keep it local. Some, there's some really good ones. So we always, uh, with each place, we always try and take from someone really local. So... Uh, it, it, friends of mine in Leeds. Um, there's a uh, a pub um, at the at the other side of the city centre, not far from Ham and Friends, which um, they make their own charcuterie. It's called the Reliance, and we take some from them. They okay. make a nice um, chili and black pepper salami, and we put Ooh, it on lovely. a mixed um, a mixed British charcuterie board. And then in Ilkley, there's a local butcher's called Lishman's who make some of their own charcuterie as well. So we take some from them and do a little board with that. So. While the majority of our stuff is um, from Spain and, um, and Italy, we try and um, we try and get as much British as we can and use use people that are really local as well. Yeah, I can imagine it'll uh, develop more and more with this you know local provenance and yeah. everything as well. Um, okay, well thanks. So if anybody fancies coming and trying some of the charcuterie at Friends of Ham, there's uh, there's one in Ilkley. One in Leeds yeah. and also Ham and Friends. But uh, thank you very much thank for very having much. us. And yeah, let's go and try some charcuterie. <laughs> Hello, so it's Alex here again. And I'm at North Star in Leeds Docks with Simon Fogel, who is Leeds born and bred and a man about town on the Leeds independent food scene, which is how he's described by his friends and acquaintances. Um, and we're going to chat about the Leeds street food and coffee scene and independent restaurant scene in general, aren't we? Yes, we are. So, um, so there's been a wave of street food sweeping over the UK over the past five, ten years, and um, with people moving around the country serving anything from pizza out of a vintage mini to pad thai out of a tuk-tuk. Um, so how has the street food scene in Leeds evolved over the last few years from what you've seen? I think for me, um, Leeds started about three, four years ago, the street food scene. Mm -hmm. um, Belgrave Music Hall opened up and did a monthly uh, street food event. And also the Trinity Shopping Centre uh, was one of the first shopping centres to get a street food um, emporium, as I like to call it. Okay. Um, from there, I guess uh, the council have been quite good and put in street food vans on the main shopping streets. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're just um, on sole vans. Sole vans own. dotted around okay. the shopping centres, and the, yeah, the quality of the vending has got much better in the last few years. So there's better quality street food on offer in, on the general streets every day. Mm -hmm. I think we started Leeds Indie Food like three years ago, and um, from there we've recently started a, a weekly street food event called Eat North. Which yeah, is I've at, heard um, about this. Sounds yeah. great. Where's so, that? So that's at uh, North Brew Co., which is a, a fairly new, I think it's a year-old brewing company from North Bar. So we, we take over their uh, car park of the warehouse basically weekly on a Saturday and fill it with, you know, five food vendors, which is different every week. Oh, okay. So it's not the same, so they're rotating. It's rotating. It's great. quite hard to book that many different uh, food vans, but... We've, we've managed to do it so far. We're into week seven. Um, Fab. And we have a couple of local people, and we invite people from, like, Manchester, Newcastle, or some people from London coming up. Okay. So who are your favourite local street food vendors, then? Ooh, street food vendors? I really... I mean, local to Leeds. It's probably Manji, um, Manji's Kitchen. Mm -hmm. 
slightly traditional Indian street food, like the chili paneer wrap, I eat quite a lot. Um, <laughs> weekly basis? <laughs> uh, weekly, daily sometimes. Okay. Um, so yeah, that, they're my favourite like actual street food vendor. Mm-hmm. Um, so have they? They've opened up a bricks and mortar place, haven't they? They have well. yet. So they are probably the lead street food uh, legends. Okay. And recently, uh, I've got a space in Cogate Market in Leeds, which is the new. It's kind of like a street food vibe that Leeds Council are, are trying to bring to the market. It's like one of the oldest markets in the in Europe. Um, so they're trying to rejuvenate this particular area, and Manjeet's probably. There's like Manji, there's Ban and Me, Fat Annie's, Yorkshire Rap Company, uh, Jenny's Jerk Chicken. So it's kind of, it's quite close to my office. So we, we go there quite often for lunch, to be fair. Oh, great, great people, dangerous people to have it's on your doorstep, I imagine. Um, yeah, so what, I, what I've seen even today with uh, chatting to, we've been chatting to Sarah from Noisette Bakery, who we'll be chatting to later on as well. Um, and she, it's a similar story. She started off... Um, with Madeline Express, which is a citronate ban, um, you know, doing and then doing wholesale to coffee shops. So starting on the street food scene, then going wholesale, and now she's partnered up with North Star Coffee, which is where we are now. And it's a fab space, isn't it? It's like amazing to come and I can imagine you can come and work here. It's very nice vibes and loads of very lots of coffee geekery all around, um, and that's something that. I've seen a lot here is um, people partnering up together um, in spaces, you know, independent businesses. Um, but the coffee scene in particular, that's really becoming a huge thing in Leeds, isn't it? Um, because in London as well, there's, one, there's a new, new wave coffee shop opening on every corner. So um, how do you think Leeds is reacting to this and paving the way for Yorkshire in terms of coffee? Well, that's a, that's a difficult question, but I think... For me, when Lane's opened up five years ago, Lane's Espresso, which is near the station, that was an eye-opener for me. I used to drink really bad coffee, and it was on my walk to work. And so yeah. I was like, I'm going to try some of this. And, yeah, it really changed my outlook on the coffee. So they've kind of, um, yeah, started the scene for me. And in the last, literally in the last six months, there's been so many coffee shops in Leeds. Yeah. Like, all around... Um, Weirdly, around the hospital, around Leeds General Infirmary. Okay. There's like six new ones around there. Wow. And um, But the good thing to me is like, because we're in North Star, they, a lot of them use North Star coffee and, and it's like, you know, your coffee beans are roasted literally in the building we're in now, but it's so close to people they can just, you know, pass the coffee yeah. like, it's as fresh as you can you can get it really yeah it's a really good collaboration that i think um which, which coffee shops you know your favorites apart from lanes and north star apart from those well actually we have a coffee shop in our office building which is cafe 164 so i go there quite often as well yeah to be honest um, i also have heard from an independent source that lanes flat white is the best flat white they've ever had so in the world ever yeah <laughs> wow I mean and he's it, a big like he he knows his stuff I mean um, it, yeah it changed my coffee drinking life so yeah I think it's high praise yeah your, your, your source yes <laughs> um so it's yeah it's really great to see like all the independents thriving alongside alongside the chains because obviously the market's saturated with with chains as well and but the the little independents are still fighting against them and um Leeds has also got a really good, from what I've seen, I've only been here for the weekend, obviously I grew up nearby, but um, I've really been exploring and I've seen there's loads of 
really good independent casual dining restaurants. Um, can you talk to us a bit more about that scene and how that's evolved over the past few years as well? Yeah, I mean, for me, like, again, I'm going to talk about Belgrave, but they opened up in a really, um, it's a really run-down area of Leeds, so they okay. took a risk, and that's what I really like about independence. They have to take risks because they can't afford the high rents. Mm-hmm. And then they transform areas, so Belgrave's a good example. Bundabust is one of my favourite casual dining restaurants in Leeds. They opened up on a just a general walkway from the station through to, like, Brigitte and the Trinity Shopping Centre. So they took a risk, and now that's a thriving a thriving uh, food destination. There's, like, lots of places opening up around them. Amazing. So, yeah, Bundabust opened three years. They celebrated three years. So I can't believe it's been three years. Wow. Like, last weekend. Um, and they do... Can you tell our listeners a bit about Bundabust? Because um, we, we have actually reviewed on olivemagazine.com as well, so if you want to see the full review, go there. But do you want to give us a quick... Snapshot. So again, they started as um, a street food concept and they were doing events. So Bundabust is uh, a collaboration between Prashad, uh, Indian street food. Well, it's not just Indian street food, it's a restaurant actually, it's Prashad and the Sparrow Cafe. In a, it's a beer cafe in Bradford. So it was like them two got together at an event and just never looked back. Fab. And then they got they started doing events, like pop-up events. So they do like street food at um, like Indie Man Beer Con in Manchester, International Beer Festival in Leeds. So they kind of do like more beery things because okay. it's half about the beer concept and the food concept working together. And okay. it's all like Indian street food, like traditional, like vegetarian. So that's, a, that's another example of um, lots of independents collaborating and together to get spaces that they maybe couldn't afford on their own Um, and I saw as well just been at Ham and Friends so Friends of Ham is the business and then Ham and Friends is there because it's Friends of Ham with their friends. <laughs> a bit of a mouthful, You've that. So that I, very I finally, well, I finally cracked it. Um, so um, they're also working with the, is it Yorkshire Wine Yorkshire Company? Wine School. And, Yorkshire Wine School. And George and Joseph, which is a cheesemonger from uh, one of Leeds' suburbs of Chapel Allerton. Okay. So it's one of the Chapel trendy Alton. suburbs that George and Joseph has his little shop, but he's upgraded his shop and now he's got a, a space at Ham and Friends. Yeah, it's literally like, a, a glass cheese room, isn't it? Yeah. You go in and it's, it's... Conditioned cheese room. Yeah, it's amazing. Back at Leeds Dock, and Alex had a chat with Sarah Lemansky of Noisette Bakehouse about her delicious small batch baked goods and how to pair them with speciality coffee blends from North Star. Hello, so it's Alex here again, and I'm still at North Star. Um, and I'm now with Sarah Lemansky, who started Noisette, a baked good company, in 2013 with her little Madeleine van, which we spoke about earlier. Yes. Um, she then won Young British Foodie Baking Category in 2014 and has now teamed up with uh, North Star to provide the baked goods to pair with their speciality coffee. So we're going to have a bit of a chat about how to pair the various coffee blends that they roast here with some of Sarah's delicious bakes. So you've been up since 4 a.m., haven't since you? Since 4 a.m. this morning, yes. so I'm feeling Very little, dedicated. Yeah, I'm feeling a little tired now. Yeah. But, I can yeah. imagine you've had lots of coffee to wake you up, <laughs> Lots of coffee, you? yeah. So yeah, a very dedicated um, job being a baker um, yes. to provide us all with our morning bakes. Um, so what we're going to talk about is how some of your bakes pair with the coffee here yeah. and um so if people at home want to you know 
buy any of these blends, then they know what to pair them what with. Them. Um, so should we start with breakfast? Yes. So breakfast muffin. So we Talk have um, the ultimate blueberry breakfast muffin um, on the menu um, at North Star, which um, comes out of the oven fresh every morning. If you're really lucky to get one warm, then it's quite an experience. Um, so we've paired this with um, North Star's Ethiopian kasheri, which um, is a really delicate um, coconut sort of floral lavender kind of coffee um and it just pairs really really well with the vanilla that's infused throughout the the blueberry muffin batter and with the blueberries itself there's also a touch of um star anise in there oh lovely it's just a really subtle spice um and yeah it's um it's perfect like i say with the delicate notes of that's probably one of the most delicate um coffees that that's on the menu um especially when it's served um as it's said with the Kalita. Um, so, yeah. Which, can you explain a bit about the so Kalita? So, that's um, a pour-over method. Um, so, you get a really sort of... It's a really popular um, way to brew sort of the more delicate coffees. It brews okay. a lot more like a tea in many in many aspects. Um it comes served on a lovely, like, yeah, it's the, like a little carafe, a tiny isn't it? little carafe, yeah, yeah, really beautiful little carafe. It's gorgeous. Um, yeah, and, so, um, so what, why is your blueberry? Breakfast muffin, the ultimate blueberry breakfast. So we call it the ultimate because it's got um, an amazing fluffy light inside. It's jam-packed with full of blueberries. And then we get this incredible domed top, like a really giant muffin top. And it almost bakes to like a cookie crisp around the outside. So you can like peel away the cookie crisp outside of the giant muffin top um, and eat that first. And then you're just left with this fluffy innards of the muffin that are just like bursting with um, blueberries. Yeah, it sounds amazing. I didn't get to try that one. No. amazing but they're usually the first to sell out so yeah if you get one warm from the oven it's just yeah, yeah. we have people waiting for them at seven o'clock oh so, wow yeah. okay so you open at seven um, we're open yeah. at seven monday to friday yeah. okay so um what i did manage to try though was the morning cake yes. and i asked as soon as i came in because it's got this lovely icing sugar sunshine on it yeah um and i asked about what it was because i've never heard of it before and yeah. i i understand it's trademarked yeah so it's, it's um, absolutely amazing before you start like it's literally <laughs> I, I incredible but quite I'll let you go of, into yeah, it yeah quite a lot of people in the cafe have moments over this cake where yeah. they're just like oh just having a moment here um but yeah that's our morning cake so that's become one of our signature bakes um that we created um especially to pair with coffee so it's inspired by American coffee cakes and um, which traditionally don't contain coffee but are made to go with your morning coffee okay. um so typically they're a sour cream and rich cake batter and this one is layered with um, cocoa powder and tonka bean. Tonka bean, really, a really aromatic spice. Use it um, as you would use nutmeg. I'm sure a lot of mm. um, listeners are familiar with it. Um, and then we top with another layer of the batter and finally an almond streusel topping, which oh. offers this really lovely sort of um, textural contrast. Final dusting of um, cocoa powder and then we finish it with um, the icing sugar um, stencil of a sunrise mm, just yeah. as a nod to it being morning and yeah it's it's brilliant it's really good and I think the sour cream yeah um, the sour batter cream. is what really comes through yeah. it's really it's really light and creamy yeah, and yeah definitely and I can imagine it goes so what coffee does that so go this with one is paired with the El Salvador which is a really typically smooth coffee so it goes really really nicely with that fluffy um sort of white it's almost white as the cake batter um and then it really really works well there's caramelly notes in um in the El Salvador which work really well with the floral vanilla notes that you pick up in in tonka bean Mm -hmm. and also then with the cocoa the cocoa and the caramel notes it's just like works perfectly so the El Salvador blend is that typical of 
blends, all blends from El Salvador, are they always going to um, be that really smooth and vanilla-y? I'm, I'm not too sure, to be perfectly no. honest with you. Um, but in particular, I think it's probably down to the way that these guys roast, yeah. roast it. And they've each got their own sort of um, flavour profile. And they've been roasted to suit these guys' taste. So mm-hmm. I think they are typically roasted to bring out the best that that bean has to offer. Right. Um, so if, yeah... I would say it's probably typical and yeah. the best version of it. Fab, we'll say it is for now. <laughs> Sorry if it's not. Um, and then something else I tried, well, I, ha- I nicked a bit of uh, my companions, um, was the four cheese and rye scone. Now yes. that is very different to the morning cake, very but different. equally as Moorish. Yeah. Absolutely delicious. So, so ch- like almost like chewy, chew- like, yeah, but, but not, not in a bad oozy. way. It was, yeah. It was, yeah, it's not oozing cheese, but it's really really light but also densely packed with cheese at the same yeah. time there's a heck of a lot of cheese in here so this contains four different cheeses so we have parmesan cheddar red leicester and um cream cheese and it's brought together with buttermilk and then yeah it's made with rye flour and that's really robust and stands up to being able to pack a lot of cheese in there mm-hmm. um but the the cream cheese gives it this really light fluffy quality that stops it becoming too dense with the cheese um and it's just got a really great savoriness from from that blend of four cheeses and we actually pair this with with english breakfast tea um, oh, okay uh, because nice. we um in the in the shop we serve storm tea which um a sort of specialist they're trying to really do for tea what um places like north star have done for coffee and really elevate it and um we serve it um all the teas in that range as they're meant to be served um we have um a, t- a hot water tap that doses water at um, three different temperatures oh, wow, to okay. allow for the exact um, um, exact temperature for each tea. So this we've we've sort of paired with the classic English breakfast tea, the sort of thing where you want sort of a nice cup of English breakfast tea um, with a little bit of milk on a morning. And you serve them toasted with butter. Yeah, we you? serve them warm through the, the oven. Butter's delicious. Butter. Yeah, Can it's you tell a us really a bit great. Um, it's uh, an award-winning um, butter from. Um, well, it's a local company and it's just a really, really nice um, salted butter. And that's what you really need on something like a cheese and rice scone, yeah, just a definitely. little bit more butter. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's amazing. And then finally, finally, for the more like an afternoon kind of yes. snack is the pastel de nata. Yes. Um, so um, we have a feature on olivemagazine.com about um, about Lisbon, Lisbon and there's the very famous Belém yes. uh, pastel de nata. Have you been there? I've not been there, no. So this was a brief that was set by um, Craig, who runs the coffee, well, he does all the coffee roasting. So um, I had to use all my intuition to create something that um, would suit him. And, um, yeah, we've managed to get the classic buttery uh, flaky pastry um, filled with... um, a custard and we infuse ours with cardamom just as a little oh, twist just because we don't we, we we like to put our own little twist on things and it, although that's not traditional so yeah it's a really really rich um custard that's enriched with just egg yolks there's no egg whites in there so you don't get any of the sort of toughness that sometimes you can get with custard bakes um so it's super creamy and um yeah it gets its classic little beauty spots on the top when it's baked in the oven oh i love that way of describing them. yeah <laughs> spots. tiny little beauty spots so yeah that's why i tell all the bakers like look for the beauty spots <laughs> so yeah and um, what do you pair that so with so this then? is paired with them the colombian on batch brew so this is a different method of um showcasing showing the coffee off so this is more like your classic filter coffee mm-hmm. um but it's brewed in what's called the jet and it's a giant thing on the on the back counter of the of the bar um 
so that's a bulk brew and um a bottle brew bulk oh a bulk bulk brew, brew yeah so it um it pairs really really well it's got sort of um toffee and butter notes that work really really well with the custard and the cardamom because cardamom's got this inherent sort of citrusy note to it mm. and so it goes really really well with the buttery notes and the toffee that that are in um the bulk brew and also it can be um it needs that sort of sweetness. It's a really nice sort of, more, I guess, like a cosmopolitan, as you would get on the continent, you know, like a stronger kind of coffee. Yeah. With that really nice, sweet little bite that you get served alongside it. So, yeah, it's oh. quite paired perfectly. Yeah. Well, and I also was told that they they can, because um, you'd run out when <laughs> yeah. I arrived, and they said, oh, you can actually have one made freshly for you yeah so that's that's brilliant yeah that's, you can offer that as well that's what's so good about you being know you're being here on site. That's what... sarah's here like yeah. all day <laughs> all day every day can well, i say that <laughs> the bakers are here all day every yes. day so whether i'm not whether i might have had to like take a nap or something yeah. but no um the idea is that we're able to sort of only bake fresh what we need and that the customer's always getting the you know the freshest version and nothing gets Nothing rolls out again two or three days later, you know, when no. it shouldn't. It's always, well, you know, fresh out of the oven and um, designed that way to be eaten that way. Yeah, so, you, yeah. Can, you can really, really tell. Oh, it was absolutely brilliant. brilliant oh, so thanks so much. <laughs> Thank to meet you. you. Nice to meet you too. Thank you. Big thanks to Alex and our Leeds food heroes this week, Simon Fagel, Anthony Kitching and Sarah Lemansky. If you feel inspired by this week's episode, check out the website for our roundup of Leeds top independent food and drink outlets. And we've also got plenty of Yorkshire recipes if you want to get cooking, all at olivemagazine.com. Thank you for listening as ever. And if you like what you heard, let us know what you think on Twitter and Facebook at Olive Magazine. And can you do us a massive favour? Please, please, please review and rate us on iTunes. It means that loads more lovely foodie listeners like you will get to hear us. And don't forget that you can subscribe for free so that you never miss an episode. Until next time, happy cooking, happy eating, and we'll see you next week.